you know, when I dropped at the end of the lake after 38, my dad was standing right there on shore and he's like, you have nothing to lose. And I looked at him and I said, yep, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and I went for it. Ski or die. 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 Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Ski or Die podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Montavon. And I'm Stevie Island. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We are actually recording on the road. Um, we tend to talk about skiing a lot in the car. And um, we're just on our way home from the World Championships right now. And we figured while it's all still fresh, instead of talking about it between ourselves and then recording down the road, we should just record this. So this one might sound a little different and hopefully this works out so we can do more of this in the future. But before we get started, we have to go over the rules of the show. As you guys know, uh, we don't do any sponsorships on this show. We like to keep it ad free. So all we ask of you is that you share this episode with somebody. If you learn something, if it inspires you please pay it forward send it to someone else you think it could help and help us grow ski or die so um, before we dive into worlds though I know that's what most everybody wants to hear about we got to talk about Malibu open um, we didn't we could have done the, one of these on the road um, hopefully this works out and we can do that again in the future because we actually drove to Malibu this year um, but after Malibu getting ready for worlds we just didn't have time to talk about Malibu yet yeah, it was an exciting one. It was a, it was kind of a tough weekend for both of us, though. It it was rough. So that was my fourth Malibu Open. Um, it was your first. Yep. Um, and you want to talk us through practice? Because practice is what kind of kicked off the, the roughness of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we got there for practice on Thursday, was it? Yep, Thursday. Um, and the event started off on Friday. Mm-hmm. So it was the day before the prelims, and we were getting some familiarization practice. Uh, we both got two sets in of four passes each, and for me, you know, it felt pretty good. Um, I think I didn't really. I think I shortened to 39 like once. It was like pretty casual, yeah. but um, I tweaked my back in the first set, and I kind of didn't think anything of it. It's like sometimes you know I get a little pinch and it's no big deal. Um, and it turned out to be a little bit more than just a pinch, unfortunately. I you know, was in a lot of pain kind of the rest of the day and ended up doing some stretching in the hotel room that night and uh, you know, ended up slipping a disc in my lower right back. It was kind of like a, I think like L5S1 just kind of like popped and it was really, really, really traumatic for me. Um, you're, you're, it's, this was your old injury. Yeah, yeah kind of flared this, up. I've had this injury for about four or five years now and I've treated it off and on, you know, I got epidural injections last year, uh, three rounds of them, and that kind of helped out after I had like a deadlift injury uh, in the gym, and 
now it's kind of had resurfaced during that practice session and then at night you know I, it kind of slipped while I was stretching and it, I couldn't even really move I had to call my massage therapist uh, Brett and he had Elizabeth work through some pelvic rotations for me that that helped out um, you know I was, I was barely even able to sleep like I was in tons and tons of pain and I was you know for sure gonna have to be a scratch for the event I wasn't even planning on skiing um, woke up the next day feeling super stiff and I felt really bad because hold on we gotta like talk through what happened you're kind of glazing over it so he slipped the disc in his back we called our PT Brett and we were like hey we need to know what to do because he couldn't walk I mean he was in so much pain I had to help him do everything and Brett talked me through how to adjust an SI joint, um, trying to create a little mobility between those vertebrae so maybe the disc could recede a little bit. Um, and that's stuff I've never done. I don't have a background in PT. So we did like several rounds of these three different adjustments. Um, he was getting some relief, but the disc definitely wasn't going back enough for it to be like skiable. And I didn't know what to do. Like I, he was in so much pain, I was like, this doesn't even make sense for me to ski. You certainly can't ski, but why stay up here for you just to be in pain? Like we probably should get you home so you could actually get into sea bread or if you need to see your orthopedic. Like at that point I was feeling like this is irresponsible for me to even stay and ski. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna let you not ski. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have just been in pain. It's not that big a deal. Um, it's not like, you know, I couldn't tough it out or whatever, but, you know, it ended up being just really tough. It was really draining uh, mentally. I felt really bad because I, I didn't want to affect Elizabeth skiing at all. Um, and we show up to the lake for the prelims and, you know, Elizabeth skis, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you, I you can go through what your prelim experience was. Yeah, so I mean, I skied first. He he insisted we stay and ski, and so um, I tried to kind of put my worry out of my head, you know, for him. Um, and you know, skiing was like out of the whole weekend, skiing was the thing that actually felt the most normal because um, there was some delay of tournaments due to weather and due to some technical issues, and that was just something I wanted to speak on because a lot of people were blaming the boat, and it wasn't a boat issue. It was a day where just like technology was failing us. It was a zero off and a sure path issue. And it was because not because of anything anybody did wrong on site. I mean, we had like the most capable tech people in the world on site. Um, you know, if Jerry Jackson can't fix it immediately, it must mean like technology just is having a bad day. And so it really sucked to see people saying that like it was a Malibu problem because it wasn't. Um, and anyway, that was just something I wanted to get out there because they worked so hard to put that event on, um, and it you know really wasn't their fault. But yeah, there were some delays of tournament, and that's just part of how sports work. Um, and I skied, I skied okay in the prelims. Um, it was enough to to make the cut. It was a just barely. I ran a four at thirty eight. Um, didn't really, I, I, my gate at 38 was like not quite right. And honestly, at this point, like analyzing my gate at Malibu at, in a prelim is really not that important. Um, because after I skied and the rest of open women skied their prelim, um, like I'll be damned, but Stevie walks up to me and he's like, I think I'm going to try to ski. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I was feeling a little better. I mean, it was kind of crazy because you could see my 
hip was actually kind of dislocated. Like you could actually physically see it. Displaced. Or, you know, I guess not dislocated, displaced, whatever you want to call it. But it was like, it, was, it looks gnarly because my right leg is shorter than my left one. So it's like, it's actually physically displaced. You can see it with my shirt off. And I was limping around, but I was like, okay, I'm here, it's my first Malibu. I might as well get a little wet and at least try and put up a score. I mean, why not? I'm here. Fuck it. <laughs> so, yeah, he ran, I mean, two beautiful first passes. I mean, it was, you know, because you couldn't do anything wrong. It wasn't going to end well. So the first two passes were beautiful. Yeah. Blue tail, one ball, 38. I mean, it's pretty horrible skiing, but it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I was just happy to get out there, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was impressed, and I was glad you... I was glad you tried, you know, because you were already there, and I think that was that was really cool. But, um, yeah, so then Stevie skewed the prelim. Um, obviously, a half of 38 didn't make the next cut, um, and I just barely made it to the next cut, um, which, honestly, after how emotionally drained I was, like being worried about Stevie, I was happy to make a cut. Um, and then in the final, you know, because this – or the not the final, the semifinal, forgive me. Um, because this is my fourth Malibu – I knew what I was getting into in the first round on Saturday, the next day. So here's the thing you need to know about Malibu. When it happens in the fall, there is a little bit of glare in the morning, and that's really not the end of the world. You just have to know what you're dealing with. So coming from the far end of the lake, which for me is my 38, and for a lot of women is their 38 off, you pull out on the gate and you're in normal daylight, Behind the boat, you ski into the shadows from the tree line, and then into the next buoy, or into, into one ball, into the buoy, you're in glare. So your eyes are going through three different levels of, of lighting intensity very, very rapidly from one side of the lake to the other. And if you don't know that going into it, and it, I mean, it's taken me how many years to kind of figure out how to play that, um, it can really rock you on your 135, even though like I'm a lefty and that's my onside. So I kind of knew what I was getting into this time and it was like, okay, you're gonna see 135 for a split second because there's so much glare. You're just gonna have to turn and know that the timing and the tempo is not gonna be your favorite, but that's okay because coming back, you're, you're gonna get 39 with no glare. And that's all that matters. You can figure out your timing and tempo and make it more perfect, but it doesn't need to be perfect. You just need to run the 38. So, um, I ran a 38. Um, first time I'd ran 38 with continuation at Trophy Lake, so that was really exciting <laughs> for me. Um, and then, yeah, once again, I just really didn't get the gate I wanted at 39. Um, I got a one and a half, and it's kind of been a recurring issue for me, I would say, this year is, is getting a one and a half at 39. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess there's something to be said for a little bit of consistency, because um, once I do get that gate and that two ball dialed in I'm gonna get further but you know I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be running more 38s more consistently in these events did you find it hard to get wide on the gate going away from the dock yeah the gate off the dock for me was a little bit the water was a little bit fast um, it's one of those lakes where from each end the gate actually feels a little bit different in terms of water speed so 
I knew it was going to be fast and I'd say maybe I was a little bit like reluctant in my pullout to not have too much speed and that probably killed off a little bit of my width. Right, yeah, most people would be like, oh, the water speed was fast, that means it's easy to get wide, but like that's not true because then we're being tentative on the pullout because we don't want to overrun it. Right. And then we end up getting pulled narrow. Because, I mean, if you're if you're too fast and then you turn in fast because you're, you overrun a gate and you're about to miss the gate on the late side, there's a very slim chance you're going to come out of two ball in, in a good way. Yeah, no, I think um, the vast majority of skiers would rather be pulled narrow than overrun a gate and have, I mean, slack would be the worst thing. Yeah. But, yeah. For sure. And that's the thing. I think Trophy skis really well. There's a lot of great um, cross-course speed. And it's slow at the buoy, so even if you come out of the buoy, what you think is a little bit late, you're going to be across course and back on time. But it's one of those things you got to ski it and, and learn that because it doesn't really. I can't think of anywhere else that skis like Trophy. Yeah, I, I think it skied great. I think I I messed up on the ski setup. I mean, I knew my ski was definitely smearing a bit too much in practice, um, and I kind of just ignored it, thinking that you know, as long as I sk- stick to my cues, I'll be okay. I think I, I definitely could have benefited from moving my fin back and, you know, adding some tip. Yeah, I mean, hindsight's, you know, always always twenty twenty. But, but that's the experience you gain when you go and ski it, so... Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that I was able to get on the water and at least figure some stuff out, even though I was, like, dying. <laughs> um, and, you know, I ended up, uh, I think I placed ninth, which is, like, what I was seated. Um, and as my dad put it, he's like, well, that makes sense. I mean, you, you did what you're projected to do um but obviously one and a half is not it's not really what i was looking for my pb is three and a half so um and there's a big difference in women's slalom between a one and a half and 30 at 39 and a three and a half at 39 three and a half at 39 shakes things up so um yeah i mean i was a little disappointed but honestly like emotionally what i had been through kind of over the whole weekend i felt like okay you know that was successful enough um and really i mean that was that was just the last, well, it wasn't the last tournament, but it was the last event um, leading up to the big one. Yeah, Worlds. The Worlds. So we actually had one tournament between Malibu and Worlds. We did a, a three-round record at Okihili, but um, just because, I don't know, it was available to us, we signed up for it. Well, yeah, and the lakes are closed, so we didn't, we didn't weren't going to be able to practice either. So That's, <laughs> That's right. We used the tournament to practice. <laughs> so um, Worlds was my fifth tournament weekend in a row, which I've never done that many events in a row, and I was a little nervous about that. But um, Worlds, is, Worlds is quite an experience. So it was at Jack Travers Ski School um, in Groveland, which is outside of Orlando. Um, I think everybody knew that it was going to be one of the best run worlds of all time because Jax was handling it. It's my first world, so I'm not comparing. I don't. I can't compare it to anything from personal experience, but from what everybody said, it was the best run and, and highest performances of a world's probably ever, or at least in, in recent world's history. Um, and I just thought it was really, really well done. The site looked really beautiful. Um, I, can't, I don't think there was like any any delays of any kind. The weather was beautiful. Um, the officials were great at communicating. Um, the crowd was great. The, the vendors were great. Um, there was plenty of amenities on site, um, which doesn't always happen at ski tournaments because sometimes they're just so out in the middle of nowhere. You know, once you're there, you're you're stuck with nothing. But um, no, this was just 
I think this is what everybody dreams a world's experience is like. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to say that it was it was a really well well run tournament. Um, but my my dad and I drove up for official familiarization with the U.S. team on Monday. Um, drove up, did my four passes. Um, confirmed what I already had planned um, in terms of like strategy, drove home, skied a little bit more at home, and then uh, my prelim was on Thursday, right? Yeah, it's been a long week. (laughs) So my prelim was on Thursday. Um, I skied right at the end of series two. So if you don't know how the series work, because I know there's been a lot of questions, um, series is just how they break it up into different groups so that they can kind of stop and put more gas in the boat um i think it's it's kind of like heats but not necessarily i don't think that's like the best analogy um but it's to break it up into different groups and series one um is not only like the top seeds in slalom there's also a lot of the team competitors as well um, like I went as an independent skier. There were also wild card skiers there, um, but they reserve a lot of uh, they reserve space in series one for team competitors as well, so that the teams are genuinely competing against each other. If that makes sense. Um, so I was the second to last skier in series two, um, and there was a lot of interesting wild cards this year because not every country could really use their wild cards because of travel restrictions. So there was, you know, for example, U.S. athletes going on foreign countries' wild cards. So it was cool for a lot of people to get the opportunity to ski that otherwise might not have, given whatever normal circumstances may be. Um, so I thought that was really cool, too, for, for people to get to have that experience. Um, but, you know, first things first, I think the coolest thing about Worlds is that everybody is there. It's not an event where, okay, it's a pro event, so-and-so isn't here because they're doing this this weekend, and, and so-and-so isn't here because of work. It's an event that everybody plans for, so everybody is there. I think there was like 65 open women slalom skier in total, slalom skiers in total. How many open men did we count I don't know. Us? I mean, there was nine series, so there was like at least 80. Yeah, I thought it was like almost 93 or 95 or... Yeah, close to 100. Yeah, so it was a lot of of slalom skiers um, and a lot of trick skiers and jump as well. Um, But, yeah, I had a... um, I really like how I skied in the prelims. I really liked my 38. It was the best 38 I felt like I had run in tournament up until that point um, in my career. I didn't mind my gait at 39. I didn't really have a great one ball, and um, I got a one and a half. I really tried to go for it out of out of two because I knew I needed a piece of three. Two at 39 was leading at that point, and I, there was it was starting to happen where girls were getting stacked up at two at 39, and I. If more girls got stacked up at two, I knew there was going to be a runoff for the last few spots in the finals, and I didn't want to participate in that runoff. I'd rather be in. So I kind of went for it out of two, and it, it didn't pay off. But, um, you know, in those moments, you have to go for it. You can't play it conservative. And in hindsight, two would have absolutely gotten me in. Um, but I thought for sure it was going to be a, a runoff situation. So, um 
you know, when I dropped at the end of the lake after 38, my dad was standing right there on shore and he's like, you have nothing to lose. And I looked at him and I said, yep, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and I went for it and it just, it didn't pay off, but, um, I for sure counted myself out with the one and a half. I was tied with um, my former teammate from the University of Alabama, Bree Carter. We both uh, got a one and a half at 39. And um, I thought for sure one and a half was gonna be out because I still had 16 skiers to go after me and it was only a 12 person final. So I was like, well, I'm already towards the bottom, um, you know, and with 16 more women to go who know exactly what they need to beat, I mean, how are they not going to? Um, so we did the math and I needed like eight women to like not even ski close to their norm. And it was going to put me through to the final. And then, I mean, I'll be damned. There was just some weird performances. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Anna Gay missing her 35 gates was you know definitely disappointing for her um yeah that was too bad but that was you know one of the kind of defining skiers that we needed to you know run less than two um and you never want anybody to like ski badly of course i want everybody to have a great a great day but I, i'm a competitor i wanted to make it into the finals like anybody else yeah it's just one of those moments uh where you're you kind of put up a score and you kind of sit around and wait and you start counting. <laughs> you know, I think we've all been there. If you're uh, kind of, you know, 12 seat or whatever and you want to put in a spot. <laughs> I mean, and it was, it was really intense because I was, I was sitting there and I was like, okay, well, I very well could make it in, but it looks like now Bree and I are going to have a runoff. As these women were having performances that were less than, I mean, just weird one-off things and, and just anomalies in their own skiing. We were watching a few of them fall, you know, early, um, miss skates, just weird things happen. It was beginning to look more and more like, okay, if two more mess up, Bree and I have a runoff for the last spot in the finals. Okay, if one more messes up. And so Bree and I started to get warmed back up and suited back up because we were, it, we were really looking like it was going to be a runoff for that last spot. And, you know, it was one of those things where a runoff would have been epic, but her and I would rather just both of us get in, of course. And um, it happened. It happened where there was enough people who had just bizarre performances and Bree and I both made it in and we were able to, we got all suited up and then we were able to take it all off and, and breathe, you know, finally breathe again because we were both had made it into the finals um kind of miraculously and I say it was miraculous because I thought with 16 people following us knowing exactly what to beat it was going to be a piece of cake because a lot of those women could get to at 39 in their sleep um but you know Chet called me and he was like you're in the final he was like don't sweat it he goes it's worlds and worlds is weird and he goes I know it's Jack so it's not like it's weird conditions he goes but worlds makes people weird and I should have believed him. It's pretty much the story of my whole life is I should always believe him <laughs> instead of thinking I know. Um, but yeah, barely made it in the final. And um, I was second off the dock because it went back to seeding because Bree and I were tied. So um, yeah, I got to be second off the dock. I made the 12 person final. Um, I couldn't believe it. Um, 
and then yeah, the finals was Saturday after. What was it after? After tricks? Yeah, after men's finals, tricks. Prelims. Oh, prelims. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it got kind of all starts to blur together. Um, <laughs> so in the finals, I was second off the dock. Um, Bree ran a a one at 39. Um, and I love when the first person off the dock runs 38. I mean, women's slalom, I think everybody's capable. We should be running 38s, um, I mean, 99% of the time. But anyway, um, and, you know, I didn't feel as good on my first three passes in the finals. I will say that. Um, and I don't know how much of it was nerves. I didn't really feel nervous. I actually felt a little more comfortable in the final than I did the prelim. Um because the prelim had felt pretty good. And so I was like, okay, I can really just ski right now. Um, and you want to take the world's experience in, but you can't get distracted by that. So, um, you know, I didn't really love my first three passes. I felt like the, the rhythm and timing was a little bit different than the first round, which doesn't really make sense. I had the same driver, um, same letter and number. Everything was identical. But it felt a little off. And then 38 felt phenomenal. I mean, I I said that in the prelim, I thought I'd run the best th- tournament 38 of my career. And then the one in the final, I thought was even better. I loved the gate, level one, two, one, two three. Um, and I loved where I was at at four. And then, I mean, it was just devastating. Um, even thinking back on it and watching the video, I still don't really understand what happened. I had a really loose line at four. Um, and the water at Jack's is so nice. You sit kind of deep out of the turn. And so I'm thinking that, you know, maybe I just had too loose of a line and the ski was sitting a little too deep. Um, and I just wasn't prepared to survive how deep I got. And so I, in the moment, I said, well, you know, take the whole four. Don't get three and a half because three and a half is really easy to beat. At least get a whole four. Um, and I got the whole four, but I had to stand up and let go of the rope into five to not go out the front because I had already kind of tipped past that balance point of no return. And I was like, well, last thing I need to do is get hurt right now too because I knew it wasn't going to be for a podium spot. So um, it was it was devastating. That was really hard. I was I mean, I was really upset. I haven't been that upset about a score in a, in a long time, um, especially because the 38, I felt like was just going it was going so good. I was finally, I felt like what I had been working on really came together in an event. Um, and I can't explain the four ball, but with how fast everything happens, I thought getting the whole four was the better move, you know, and in hindsight, if I could go back and do it all over again, I probably would have taken the massive hit and let it sit really, really deep. Um, and just tried to come up slowly into five ball to, you know, peel off some of that speed that I would have had, but shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, ultimately, the four at thirty-eight tied me for eighth with um, Aliche, who also ran a four. Um, and you know, for my first world, I. I'm not disappointed. I was really grateful to make the final. I was grateful for the experience I had. It was really, really fun. Um, You don't know if you're gonna like that environment until you go and do it. And I have to say, I really really enjoyed that. And I feel like I know exactly, like I have a roadmap now for the next two years of exactly what I need to do and what I need to work on. I'm very grateful that IWWF committed to having worlds at safer venues. 
um, than, you know, big open water, um, public, um, kind of ocean-like venues. Um, so there was no risk of me or anybody getting um, hurt easily this year. Um, that was nice to not even have that as a thought. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, it was just, it was just a killer experience. Um, you know, my family and Stevie have really given so much to make that happen and, and to make me feel safe and confident. And, and they were just so attentive to everything I needed. Um, and then once you go out there on the dock, I mean, it's all on you to make it look like that was all worth it somehow, all that time and attention and, and commitment. So, um, you know, I was happy I made the finals, happy I placed eighth, but I knew I had a lot more in me. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to doing it again. And there was a lot of phenomenal skiing out there, you know. Um, I was really happy to see, like, Sam Dumala, she ran a three at 39 in the final. And, you know, she's in medical school right now. Like, I just think that's crazy impressive. Um, Regina ran a one at 41 twice. And that this was her second tournament back after you know, her knee surgery. I mean, during one and a half in the final. Oh, sorry. One and a half in the final. Um, yeah, I got drug tested. I was the random pick. So like I was peeing in front of somebody when the rest of the final was going on. That was like not fun. <laughs> um, but you know, there was just like so much about the whole event that was impressive when you look at it like case by case. And then overall there was just a lot of great, a lot of great skiing. Um, but you know, that's my perspective. Like being in the tournament, you know, in a lot of ways, I probably didn't get to experience it in its totality because I was very focused on my skiing. Um, I mean, what did, it was your first world's experience to watch. What did you think of how the event was, was run and anything really? Well, yeah, I mean, I knew when Jax, it was announced at Jax that, it, you know, everyone who was deeply involved at Jax was going to have to do a lot of work, you know, to put the infrastructure in place for it to be possible. And they did a fantastic job. I mean, ha you know, hats off to the Traffers family and, and you know, the Waters and Dan and Deb and, you know, everyone who worked so hard to make that possible. And, you know, everyone in IWWF who was present, they did a fantastic job. I mean, it was, it was everyone's saying, I mean, it wasn't just me i mean everyone's saying this is the best world championship ever i mean i haven't been to a world's before but from what i've seen i mean yeah i would agree with that but <laughs> <laughs> i mean the, the skiing was phenomenal you know there were no jump crashes in the in the final which was nice and it was just really impeccable skiing it was just like fantastic to just be present and see it, such amazing athletic performances you know be shown off right right in live in person it was like really cool um of course, I was there to, to support you, and, and that was really awesome, too, to be able to see you go out there and ski in Worlds. That's so cool. Um, and, of course, I, you know, I want to be out there skiing as well, but, you know, hopefully that'll come one day. And it was just a really cool experience. I, just, I, I had a lot of fun. I mean, I think that, you know, even if you aren't skiing in the event, like, it was, it was I learned a lot watching the Open Men's Slalom Final because you're getting to watch all the best in the world go one after the other in identical conditions that are really, really good conditions. They're trying to peak right now. You know, um, you're getting to watch all of it. You know, we were there like with our, you know, our sponsors. Like I was there with Good and Stokes and so getting to hang out with them and, and watch the skiing and analyze the skiing. I mean, and the skis in the water, right? Like 
I think that in itself was a really good experience for like a lot of us because we were getting like a, a, a real life, like in real time, um, I don't know what to call that, kind of like a case study. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I definitely took a lot away from watching pro men slalom because, um, you know, I am a pro men slalom skier, but I'm not at a level. And so I was like to see where I kind of want to be in the next year or two, um, you know, to basically directly be able to compare myself to that in person, live, back to back to back with the best is uh it's pretty pretty uh useful to be honest <laughs> i can see how like you said how the skis are working how the athletes are working they're peaking they have the best driving you know will bush was on his game he pulled 341s i think yeah so right. you know that was just really really cool and a couple fives too yeah, it was, it was huge scores. Yeah, huge scores. So, and it's Jack's, you know, I'm familiar with the site. I've skied it. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it was just, yeah, super useful just to be able to watch it. Not only was it super cool, because it's like the best guys in the world, like that's just cool. I've always been into skiing like that. But because I'm kind of like, you know, it's just also useful on top of that. Well, yeah, so like if we watch these guys like on a big open public bay battle it out for first, but like they're tr struggling to run 39 like okay that's equally cool but it's not as useful right yeah because you're not going to want to use any of that in your own skiing because that's not how we train we don't train in rough water we don't train to, to, to survive passes for medals we train to ski our, our best skiing you know what i mean yeah for sure um and we did get a few questions about you know worlds um somebody wanted to know like what made you the happiest about worlds and I sound like a broken record when I say it, but you know, just when at these events, like where it would be very easy to like lose your head, right? You can choose to be overwhelmed by the fact that it's the world or it's the Malibu Open or it's Moomba. Um, and in a way, like there probably is a time and a place for that, like to take in how powerful the event is and, and you're a part of history in that moment, but you have to focus on the task at hand because they're putting your handle on the rope and you're about to get in the water, you know? Um, and you could sit at the ends and listen to what Tony's saying about you, or you could focus on what you're going to do next. You know, you have to kind of make those decisions play by play in the event to not become too enthralled with the event. And so I'd say, you know, the happiest moment for me was really just getting in the water because, you know, I'm there, I'm wearing my team uniform. Um, it's a different, it's just such a different experience. Um, I know it's a big deal. My family's there. Everybody's nervous. Um, you know, you're, you're checking your equipment a thousand times to make sure it's all right. But once you hop in the water, you're like, oh my God, okay, this is just, it's still just skiing. It's going to be me. I got Mario in the seat, which I know is going to feel phenomenal. Like, let's go do some skiing. This is the most normal part of this whole tournament because the rest of this is nothing I experience on a daily basis. So, I mean, the happiest part for me was the actual was the actual skiing. I mean, every event I've ever skied at, when I get to the end of the lake after the first pass, away from the dock and all of the, you know, uh, commotion, I'm always like, oh, thank God. Like, okay, now now we're doing the thing I actually like to do. Um, so I'd say, you know, first and foremost, the skiing was the happiest part for me. However, in a very close second, we got to meet so many people. 
Yeah, we got to meet a bunch of uh, podcast listeners as well. Shout yeah. out to you guys. <laughs> and that was just really special because, you know, the people who say like, oh my God, I follow everything you post or I listen to all the podcasts or like, I'm a fan of this. And it's like, oh my God, you don't really know that people pay attention that much. And so it's just special, you know, for people to say that they do. And it also is really humbling and it makes me feel so grateful. And so it was really cool to meet um, people and then to help them. You know, they were like, okay, hey, I follow you and I like your stuff, but I have a question about this. And they want to know about lakes to ski at, or they want to know about equipment, or they want to know about coaches. And I think that's like what we also really, really love about this sport is anytime we can actually give somebody information that genuinely helps them is just like one of the best feelings. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the main point of this, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like... We're not doing this for us, really. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what Ski or Die is all about. And we saw a lot of of Ski or Die pretty much all week, whether people want to admit it or not, you know, whether they want to align themselves with Ski or Die or not. It was everybody was there to do the best with what they had in that moment, you know, win, lose, or draw. And that was just really powerful to see. Um... But yeah, between the actual skiing itself and meeting so many people, I mean, that made me ridiculously happy. Um, Somebody else wanted to know what my morning routine was. Um, I just kept it as close to my normal routine. I ate my two eggs with one piece of peanut butter toast. (laughs) I had my coffee and a half. I did all my normal stretches. I stretched once at the house in the air conditioning, um, and then I stretched again at the lake. I checked my fin numbers. Um, I listened to the same goddamn songs I always listen to in the car. I'm pretty sure Stevie is really sick of the Ski or Die playlist. Yeah, I really am, actually. It's pretty pretty bad music, to be honest, but that's okay. Thank you, I'll let you have it. so much. <laughs> it's really bad, you guys, when you're dating somebody who um, has, like, an actual degree in music because you get told that the music you like is actually garbage for, like, legitimate reasons. And I'm like, well, I just like it because I don't know what I'm listening to. Which is totally fine. You just have to know that it's trash, you know. <laughs> you can like it all you want. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my morning routine was about as close to normal. You know, the day of is not the day to change the game plan. I, oh my God, I am so goddamn sick and tired of hearing people at tournaments walk down the starting dock and you go, you know what I think I'm going to try today? And I'm like, who signed off on this? Unless your coach told you, go try this today, because I have been guilty of trying new skis in round, first rounds of tournaments many a time. So like, I am totally like, full of shit right now in a way however that's because I'm being told to but when you have a plan from your coach and you're like you know what disregard the plan like fuck that I'm gonna make up my own thing and also I'm you know because the lucky shorts like told me to like oh my god no no so yeah morning of routine I kept it as close to normal as possible I got up earlier than I needed to because it was like when I normally wake up yeah really kept it normal Oh, and I also wanted to um, add on to that. So part of the morning routine is, you know, you're going to go down to the starting dock and you're going to be preparing to ski and you're going to kind of be getting into the mental attitude um, and you're going to be setting your mindset for the set that you're going to ski in. And um, I think a lot of people don't realize like how focused that you need to be in big events and how much preparation it takes mentally. And so... When you think like someone's about to go get ski, to go ski a big event, I think 
some people want to come talk to the to the athlete. And just like a friendly reminder, a little PSA, is to just not, don't do that. <laughs> you know, if you see an athlete who's about to perform in a big event, the best thing you can do is just stay away until after they're done skiing, and then you can ask them anything that you want. But, uh, you know, I kind of have to stand guard for you because a lot of people, you know, I think they're just enthusiastic about you as an athlete, and that's cool. Um, I don't think they have any, like, you know, malintents, but I think that, unfortunately, sometimes people come up and they try and talk to you, and it's... And it's just really, uh, you know, not cool. And it just is uh, kind of upsetting to the athlete and her team. So, Well, and, okay, that, it sounds like that's, like, an overstatement. But, you guys, like, I've only had Stevie not with me on the starting dock for two rounds of a tournament all season. And both rounds... I mean, it was it was it was insane. Like, um, it wasn't a pro event. This was just a tournament. Stevie wasn't with me because he had to go um, judge, and so which is fine. Like, I can I am comfortable being at a starting dock by myself. But somebody actually, I was up next. Like, my ski was on the platform of the dock. I had my boot on. Somebody grabbed my ski, grabbed the fin, and yanked on it, and went, "Ah, oh, I just made a fin adjustment for you," and then handed my ski back to me. And I was like, okay, well, what do, like, what do you do? And I did tie my PB after that, so like maybe it was a good fin adjustment. I don't know. No, <laughs> I checked it. The numbers hadn't changed. But, like, that was just weird. And if I wasn't um, very thoroughly coached on keeping my head on straight, that probably would have been, like, really upsetting. Kind of after I skied, I was pissed off about it. In the moment, I, like, you can't afford to get pissed off about it. But afterward, I was like dude like what the fuck like if I did that to you you would have a meltdown and it's just something you shouldn't do to anybody um you know when a skier's on the dock it should be all about that athlete having the performance of their life regardless of how you feel about them there are people I do not like in the sport but when they're on the water I hope they have a good day because I do want everybody to ski well and to enjoy their time on the water and so like that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's really shitty. And that's why Stevie's always so, like, he looks like a helicopter parent when I ski is because that happened. And then um, one time somebody grabbed my handle from me and they, they, they ran their hands over it and they were like, oh, I just put a bunch of sunscreen on that. And I'm like, that's not a funny joke, dude. Like, fuck off. So... Yeah, so just try, you know, if you're listening to this, try and be mindful of that. And it's not just for pros either. I think amateurs who take their tournament skiing seriously, you know, just be just be mindful, be respectful. Yeah, I mean, and when you see weird shit going down, like, you know, be the one to step in and say, like, hey, let's not do that right now. Because um, it's about that experience, it, it, that skier's experience. You know, everybody pays entry fees. Everybody's paying for an experience. And the judges showed up and the officials showed up and, the you know, the tournament boat's there. And everybody's doing their part to, like, make the skier's experience great and you don't need to let like some like you know wally joe blow i hate to call them that but like hey when you cross the line i'm gonna put you in the wally category and you know let's watch out for each other better because not everybody has like a stevie like i do you know not everybody has you know my dad my mom who they're always there to look out for that stuff because you can only do so much as a skier. And the last thing you want to do as, you know, a pro skier is be like, hey, can you not do that? Because then everybody's going to say you're an asshole. So it's an awkward situation to be in. But, yeah, I mean, we got to look out for each other better because nobody should have to deal with that kind of stuff. 
Um, I'm trying to think if there was any more questions I got about worlds. I think that those were kind of like the two that I thought were the most important to discuss. We went to the closing ceremonies. Um, it's always fun to see all those skiers cleaned up. <laughs> I know. No one's like all lakey and gross. Everyone's kind of, you know, dressed nice, smells nice. Yeah, I mean, we all see each other at kind of our peak ugliness. So that was um, that was really fun. Um, and it was um, the, the, the closing ceremonies ended up being bigger than what the venue could hold, which I love. I love that that many people, um, you know, friends and family wanted to attend. I think that's what we're looking for is we're looking for things to get bigger and bigger and better. Um, so that was really cool. And it was cool to talk to a lot of people that we don't always get to cross paths with. Um, but yeah, you and I are getting old. We can't, we can't do that stuff. I can't. And once in a blue moon. Yeah. But yeah, yeah and also, uh, <laughs> yeah, we want to give thanks to the team leads, uh, Lloyd Kruger and Steve Garcia. You know, they worked their bums off to make sure that you guys had a, had a great world. They did a phenomenal job. I mean, Lori did a great job of communicating with us leading up to the tournament. She missed her daughter's homecoming, and she was on homecoming court um, to be there for us because, you know, in her lifetime and all of her um, incredible experience, she's witnessed some things go awry to a lack of leadership. So she wanted to be that leadership for us that we could count on, and she just did such a great job. And, you know, I was so grateful to that because I it's my first world, and thank God it was in an English-speaking country because at least I had that advantage but otherwise I was like I don't know how this works and I, I don't want to do it wrong and um, Steve Garcia was he donated a lot in, in time and resources um, on site uh, he was down by the dock every day all day um, to make sure that people were ready to ski when they needed to ski people were ready for runoffs if there was anything that needed to be protested he handled it he was there to communicate you know in real time um and yeah without those two i think it would have been it, it just wouldn't have been the same experience i wasn't worried about anything i got to be focused on me because those two were there to make sure that our the u.s part of the dock ran smoothly so yeah you're right i really do want to say thank you to them um but I think that about covers it. I mean, it's a cool event. If you're ever, if you ever have the opportunity to, to watch a world, to fly into a world, you know, especially when, if and when it gets to be in the U.S. again, um, it's an experience unlike any other. And we want to thank everybody who placed ski or die orders. Like while I was skiing, that was really cool to get back to my phone and see. Thank you so so much. Um, we are actually working on a few new shirts to launch this fall. They're really cool. Yeah, they're going to be super, super cool. Um, and if this whole recording and the car thing goes well, we're actually going to be able to record more podcasts in the future more quickly. So that's some good news as well. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for sticking with us through this crazy ride. We've got Mastercraft Pro coming up next, um, the Dave Good Memorial at Chet's Lake, um, and then the Miami Pro right after that. And then this long, crazy-ass season will be concluded, and we can get back to training and testing and some off-season conversation, which will be fun as well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, all right, well, I guess that's a wrap. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you. All right, guys, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean so much to me. And if you want to be the first to know about all things Ski or Die, shoot me a text at 561-468-3603, and we'll get you added to the community.